and welcome to the conversation um, where every week we sit down and talk about uh, matters of our faith, matters of our religion itself. Um, we have these conversations all the time, um, but we invite you one every now and then. Uh, I am Todd Brown. Um, this is Rick Coop, and our guest today is Pastor Melody Eisenhofer. Uh, and she is the pastor of Broken Church uh, here in Muncie, Indiana. Um, and we thought we both know Melody, uh, but we wanted to talk through um, this idea of Broken Church uh, with you guys. It, it's a, it's a, um, a, to us, it's a blessing. Uh, to us, it's a story that a lot of people need to hear, um, and we think we need a lot more of uh, in this world. So we invited Melody to come. Uh, the thing that I'm going to mess up over and over again is I have a cousin named Melanie. So when I when I try to be proper and call you Melanie, we're going to have to stop that and call you Melody, no matter how long I've, I've been around you. Um, so just to start with, what on earth business does a woman have preaching? <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, you know... Um, when God calls us, we follow His call. We do. Now I'm teasing. Yeah. I have a daughter who's a pastor. Right. Uh, pastor Jen is one of my uh, closest friends, and I support yeah. that. But I think uh, for a lot of people, something you have to deal with right up front is woman is supposed to be teaching in the church. And you yep. have to deal with that, right? We do. Um, yep. Were you raised in, or were you raised in, or a part of? Uh, a church that supported you in that way, or were you raised in the church at all? I was raised mostly since I was three in a Nazarene church. Okay. And um, when I received my call, my pastor was very supportive. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yep. And I got chances to preach, and I, I, even there in my home church. Okay. So. Well, okay. So where's home church? Mexico, Missouri. Mexico, Missouri. <laughs> all right. Yep. Um, and what did it look like for you? So becoming a pastor, what did that look like for you? What did that, how did that follow through for you? Well, um, I remember I was a teenager when, um, our pastor stood before the congregation, I don't remember, three, four, five weeks begging for someone to teach a Sunday school class. Okay. And um, it was it was the little kids, little tiny kids, little toddlers, and nobody wanted to do it. And I, <laughs> I felt like God told me that I needed to be willing to do whatever God wanted me to do. And so right. I went up to him and the Sunday school superintendent and said, I know I'm young and you might not want me, but if no one else will do it, I will do it. And so that was my first Sunday school class. And from there, a um, few years later, the junior high class came open and nobody wanted to teach it. So I jumped in and taught that class. And um, I was raised in the church, but I was the black sheep of the family. <laughs> um, there were a lot of things that happened to me as a kid that um, left me hurt and angry and um, even though I was raised in the church I was not living for God and at 17 um, I became pregnant and um, 
wasn't sure what I was going to do. I was down at the bottom of the barrel and I thought everything that God had planned for me and everything that I wanted for myself was just not going to happen. I just blew it. It's yep, all over. I blew it all. Mm-hmm. And I remember, yeah. I don't remember what was preached that day. Um, I didn't even get to that point. I remember the song service was just playing. There was no altar call given, but God and I had an appointment. And mm-hmm. I, weeping, got up in the middle of a song, can't even tell you what song it was, yeah. and went to the altar all by myself and just met with God there and and asked Him to really come into my heart and to change who I was and that if He would do that, I would live my whole rest of my life for Him. And mm-hmm. so... Um, it wasn't too long after that that I accepted this junior high class position. And um, after that, the high school class came open and I started teaching that class. But God kept speaking to me and saying, but I want something more from you. And I didn't know what that was. And my pastor wasn't asking. So, um, And he was very supportive. I don't want to come across like he wasn't. He was. But... Um, I started looking into things at that point and um, found out what I needed to do to be, um, to make the first steps to see if that's what God was calling me to do. And mm-hmm. I started classes at Nazarene Bible College. Yeah. And he signed off on them. Pastor has to sign off on them. <laughs> and um, he he was very supportive though. Right when he found out, he was like, "I think that's a great idea." And um, so that's how my call started. Was just simply saying. God, whatever you want, I will I will do it. I laid my life out before him, and then he just walked me one step at a time to the next thing. And then from there, I became the youth pastor, and I was a youth pastor for almost 15 years. Okay. Um, so many pastors districts. start that. Mm-hmm. Young people start in that youth pastor role. It's, you said something that strikes me that I don't think we do enough, and that is I don't think pastors themselves often enough stand in front of the congregation and say you could be called right you could be called to be a pastor yeah um i think and i don't even know that it's i don't think that it's something we do overtly i don't think we're like i'm trying to take my job i can't have other people right it's you know i just don't think we think of it yeah I wonder like how that would come out like isn't that weird that I can't even think of how you would say that (laughs) I kind of use it in our church we work through calling people looking at their strengths Mm -hmm. and working them through um, into places in leadership one step at a time yeah and then so those conversations kind of come up that way but in that church we didn't really have anything like that it was um so I don't think he he wasn't trying to avoid anybody. He just oh. that just wasn't part of the the way mm-hmm. that they set up and were doing things. I guess we do the lay ministers program mm-hmm. where we have used the discipleship place right. courses and, and that's what e gathering is. That's where e gathering came from was mm-hmm. I have all those courses on, on the e gathering page where people can take them that way. But um I guess I didn't associate that. It really, you're just saying then you just kind of take that, take each of those steps. I mean, yeah. Because the person that calls someone isn't. It's not us. You or me, is it? <laughs> no. 
we just kind of sit back and watch the um, the evidence in their lives, and as we start seeing some things, we kind of walk them into, um, you know, could God be calling you to something else, or is there a diff- another ministry that you're interested in? And so as we kind of see their their lives develop in that way, then, you know, have you ever thought about, has this ever been something that, you know, that you feel like God's talked to you about? And sometimes they come to me. I, By I that point, think, yeah. they co- they've already come to me and said, hey, I kind of feel like God's saying this to me, but I don't know, you know, if he means just stepping into leadership or if he's talking about um, the pastoral ministry. Right now we have three associates at our little church, and it's not it's not a big church. It's just a church right now God's using to call people mm-hmm. To do things, how long they'll be there, or where they'll go from there, that's all in his hands, and we just trust him with that. Yeah. I'd like, let, let's talk about your church because yeah. you have um, something that I, I know that my wife and I were, and I've shared this with you, we're driving down the road and uh, saw the sign for your church, and we were both like, oh, cool. You know, that. What a great name. Yeah. Um, so share with us a little bit about what your what the Lord's vision that he gave you for the church and then how it came about and some of the difficulties that you ran into with okay. that. Well, um, so <laughs> I mentioned I was a youth pastor for 15 plus years. Dr. Rowland called me and asked if I would come to Indiana, if I would consider coming to Indiana and do what we had done with youth ministries here. And um, so we came and interviewed, and this is where God called us. And I quickly found myself feeling like a square peg in a round hole. Um, I'm very much, um, the calling God's laid on my heart is very much outreach-oriented, Um we we love the church and we love church people, but that's not where God's calling ends. It mm-hmm. goes outside the walls of the mm-hmm. church. Yeah. And um, people who are lost and are struggling, that's where my heart is. That just is. And so um, the first couple years of ministry, the church did grow. It it. Great things happened. It was it that was not the name of the church. Um, the church name was Northside Church of the Nazarene, and then um, something happened. So, under a previous pastor, there had been some damage to the church. We were not aware of it. We had actually oh called word. people in and asked them about some cracks we had seen in the in the walls and stuff. And mm-hmm. um, three different companies told us it was cosmetic. It was not infrastructure Mm. and it wasn't anything to be concerned about when we had the money to do um you know a facelift and we you know call them back and they'll come help us do that and so um i had started a sermon series called broken that's what it was called it was talking it was different um ways the word broken um is used and different meanings that it has and um, we were talking about the beauty and brokenness. And in the middle of that sermon series, I'm not joking, 
um, on a Wednesday night, we had been in there on Sunday, we had heard kind of a little bit of a noise, and on Wednesday night, we were out playing with the youth in the yard um, during youth ministry, and there was a bow that had oh, not man. been there on Sunday in the roof of the church. Fabulous. And so I called <laughs> some people, and hey, it took about a this week. cosmetic thing. Yeah, I'm like, hey, yeah. something's not right. And so um, a company came in and, and found the issue right away and said, no one is allowed in this building until we can get walls put up and cords to pull in the walls. And so we immediately were moved out of the building. Oh. So we went from, we started with 20 people, five of those were our family. And within a year, we had 90 um, people attending. God worked in a great way. Mm. But what God taught me through this lesson was that people are very fickle. Oh, yeah. Mm. And um, we moved. So we went in a week from 90 people. We moved to the library. We didn't miss a service. We just moved down the street for Mm -hmm. a little bit. And um, our first Sunday, we had 25 people. Mm. So we went from 90 people to 25 by moving down the street. In the, hmm. And you moved because you didn't like people and you wanted to get away from them. No, <laughs> you moved. No. You moved because the building broke. The right. building broke. It couldn't be in there and be safe. It, right. It was not safe. Um, in fact, they said that if it fell, it would have been like a bomb went off. And oh, it would have went clear down the halls. Everything would have gone. So it was no one could be in the building. Um, and so that led to a journey that we ended up out of our building for a little over a year. Yeah, I remember all the work you guys yes, had. Yes, it was a lot of work. Um, the insurance did, thank God, paid for um, a good portion of that. Um, and then we were able to use some money that the church had set back um, to make some updates that needed to be done, mm-hmm. things that they weren't going to fix. And um, But... What God taught me was, the funny thing is, I, rem- I clearly remember, and I told Dr. Roland this, I had, God and I had a conversation one day, and I was doing my devotions, and I was praying, and God asked me a question. He said, what kind of leader do you want to be? And all these, at first, all these big names kind of popped through my head, and then I was like, no, that's not what I want. I don't care if I'm ever some big well-known person that doesn't matter to me and and then the more I prayed and the, the more God just led me and I I just said God I just want to be whatever leader you want me to be whatever that looks like mm-hmm. that's what I want and the next week we were out of our building <laughs> hey. and I'm like okay God <laughs> What are we doing here? And so, um, so yeah, we, we ended up out of our building for a little over a year. We went from 90 people to 25 people in one week. Mm-hmm. Um, in that year, we went um, back up to about 40, 45. It was a tough year because we didn't have a, we had a, a building that really wasn't meant for ministry, but yeah. we, it was what we could get and what, without going too far away, um, and it worked out well, and we felt like that's what God wanted us to do. But when the building was fixed and we came back, um, I kind of thought, and I don't know, this is me, this wasn't God, obviously. In my mind, I thought, the people will come back. Mm-hmm. You know, they were just, they left because the building yeah. broke and they'll be back. And it didn't happen that yeah. way. 
and and then COVID happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so that was fun too. But um, now you weren't allowed to have a building, <laughs> right? Um, but so when we came back together and we had this smaller group, one of the things that God kept talking to me about was, um, this is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. We can do ministry different, and I didn't really know what that meant. And and I'm one that, um, as the pastor, you know, yes, I'm the pastor. But I'm not in charge of everything. This is God's church, mm-hmm. and these are God's people. And so what we did is we called the leaders and the board together, and I just said, you know, I had done some vision casting in the past with them, but at this point I said, you know, I'm going to sit with you guys on this side of the table. And we called um, my friend Paul Desay, Pastor yep. Paul Desay came in, and I just said, will you lead us through vision casting and mm. I'm going to sit with oh, yeah. my people That's cool. and we're going to work yeah. through the process that God brings us through you and I want to be on this side I don't want to be on that side I want to be with them and we are going to do it together and so mm. he broke us up into groups and it, this was like a six month plus yeah. process and that doesn't include the time we spent in prayer be- well before this happened and so you're talking about probably a year's worth of investment that we put leading up to this. And every time we broke into groups, it was the coolest thing. And I know you guys know Paul, so if you, yeah, you yeah. asked him, he'll tell you the same thing. We would come back together and we would put these big pieces of paper on the wall mm-hmm. and we would list out all the questions and we'd write the answers. And group after group after group had the exact same answers. <laughs> and. There's no way you can say that's nope. not God right, because you right. can have 10 people in a room and you're not going to have people agree on the same answers to every question. Yeah. But it was question after question after question. The answers were all coming back the same yeah. from every group. Um, and so it was definitely a work that God mm-hmm. was doing and not something that we were just saying, hey, we want to do this. I went through that with... Pastor Paul here, mm-hmm. um, and I will say this: I, you know, brief commercial for Paul Desay. Um, he's not a real hard one to find. Pastor Paul Desay, there aren't a whole lot of them, um, but he does this: the vision casting gathering, the vision team uh, gathering, and it isn't quick. It, 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 but when you get through, you feel like. You did, you and your team and God decided these things. Right. It wasn't just uh, the pastor came and told us we were supposed to do this. Right. Which can, I mean, you, you get, I'm going to bet you got a lot of the same answers, but by the time you got through, the other thing is those other teams were bought in. Right. So when you weren't in the room and someone said, well, what are we doing that for? Right. There were other people who could say, well, here's the thing. Yes. This is... The, this is scripturally how we got there. Mm-hmm. This is the us version of this. This is our vision and how this went. So. Yep. And, and so a lot of what came out of that was, um, and we aren't completely what we want to be yet. I'm just going to be honest. Sure. We're, not, we're not there yet. But um, a lot of what we learned was there's already so many churches in Muncie, and that doesn't mean we don't need more churches in Muncie, but we didn't have to be like every other church in Muncie. 
And so um, what all does that mean will change over time? I don't know. But that's one of the things we're grappling with is um, what is church? Mm. What can that look like? And our biggest passion that God has brought all these people together in is to reach the lost. Mm-hmm. Um, not to just maintain church people. And you do want to maintain church Amen. people. But um, church people matter. That's not what I'm, I'm not saying they don't. They do. They absolutely do. And we love our church people. We love our church family. Um, but to reach people who do not know Jesus, who would not come to my church simply to come to my church, mm-hmm. um, who would not, and not just my church, but any church. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people even on staff right now with us, um, right now, who just a few years ago would have said, I never wanted to stand in a church, yeah. even in a church parking lot. Like mm-hmm. I didn't want anything mm-hmm. to do with mm-hmm. church. Um, but because of the ministries that God is doing through us and building relationships with people and then showing people who God is through our own lives, but then also by sharing God's word, their lives are being changed. And so um, the verse that we um, focus on is Psalm 51, 17, which is my sacrifice of God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. God, you will not yep. despise. And I, a lot of people we knew when we, when we settled on the word broken, we, we talked about a name. Did we want to change the name? And every single group came back with, we don't know what name we want, but this is the word we keep getting. And it was broken. <laughs> yeah, and, that's cool. And, and the cool thing about, so the, the sermon series that I was doing, Broken, I actually had this sign that's made out of broken mirror pieces, and it says broken. Mm-hmm. And it was up in our sanctuary. And so my joke was, my broken sign is in my broken sanctuary. <laughs> <laughs> and so now it's hanging in, in, in your broken church. <laughs> in our office. Yeah. And we, we actually, it's, I say office, it's not an office, we call it our war room. And it's not my office. I share it with all my staff. And that is where we meet. That is where we pray. That is where we plan. And um, so we call that our war room. And that's where we we meet. And that sign is hanging there. And it says broken. And it was long before we thought about having a church name, Broken Church. But it was all part of the process that God um, brought together. And, you know, I'm finishing up a degree. I'll graduate this year. And then... I have one more that I finish next year um, in missional multiplication is what I'm doing right now. And um, Dr. Stark um, has been talking to me a lot. And, and I told him one day when we were talking, I finally fit, finally, I finally feel like I fit. I found where I fit. Oh, and nice. through this degree process, and that's why I, I started it. I was like, this degree fits with what we're doing. This is what we're doing. And so um, God worked that out to the timing when it came out, worked right along with what we were doing. And I've been able to, as a senior pastor, take exactly what we're learning and plug it right into ministry while we're doing it, which has been really cool. But um, so Broken Church is, is, it's about a lot of things. I mean, broken, the word broken has a lot of different meanings. I think for some people, they jump to that negative connotation. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that's where we've gotten controversy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, we, I've had staff call me 
um, one particular time that I can remember, I think that's what I told you about, yeah. um, there was an elderly man that had come to the door and knocked on the door and I wasn't there. Um, and a staff member came to the door and, and talked to him and he, um, yelled and screamed at her about how our name was unbiblical and, um, we weren't doing, you know, God's work. We were working against God and, yeah. and, on, and yet on, it's the Lord who tells us to be broken, <laughs> right, right. humble before him. And, and yeah, yes. And, that, and that's the thing. Like, so we want to reach broken and lost people. Mm-hmm. And so that's one connotation to it. Yeah. That is true. That is absolutely true. Um, but I do believe as Christians, we are called just like the alabaster jar was broken and poured mm-hmm. out. We're called to be broken and poured out before God. Amen. I'm supposed to be humble before God and willing to do anything he wants. And so it's not about me. It's yeah. about him. Yeah. Um, and and the, the symbol that we use and is um, a pot, um, a con- kintsugi pot, okay. if you know what that is. <laughs> I don't. So there's um, a Japanese art form. It's called kintsugi. Oh, I do. I do. Yeah. And okay. so they take what's broken and they believe that it still has value. Yeah. So they use gold to mend it and it makes it whole. And so to us, the gold is Jesus. Yeah. Jesus makes me whole. Yes. But without him, if I took that gold out, then I'm broken. And so I am only made whole through Jesus Christ. And and so I, I am sad for those who can't see the beauty in what broken church is really all about. It honestly is about reaching people who maybe would never be reached by mm-hmm. anybody else mm-hmm. by simply being real and honest and saying, I'm not perfect and you're not perfect, but God found me here and God can find you where you are and he loves you. Even right where you are, yeah. he loves you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you come into my church on Sunday morning drunk, we're going to welcome you. Yeah. And if you come in after whatever it is you've done the night before, we're going to welcome you. And you can come sit by me or you can go sit by, you know, nobody's going to care. Okay, so here's the question. Can you bottle this so that we can, you know, manufacture it? I would love to. And then send it out (laughs) across, you know, to the, uh, across all of the the Christian community. And because you, you are saying things, I did not come from a Christian family either. Uh, and all of my life, there's been these areas in my life where I've just felt empty and broken. And, and there's a lot of us out there. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not saying my story is special. I don't mean that. That's not what I'm trying to illustrate. What I'm saying is there's a lot of people who feel that and know that there's this hole. And it's not being, I, I can't fill it. I can't fill it with alcohol. I can't fill it with drugs. I can't fill it with this thing or that thing or or gambling or you know or women or whatever as from a man's perspective but I know that it's there and I know that people who are even um, you know that I don't need God I don't need there's those dark moments there's those quiet times in the house when you're all by yourself when you know this isn't working right and and I I love, I'm getting that same feeling all over again as when I was driving down (laughs) the road and saw the sign and thought, what a great, you know, that's just wonderful. So I I didn't mean to 
interrupt, but gosh, what a what a concept. It sounds to me like something that's very biblical, but I don't I don't know. I'll just toss that out there. Well, I'm just amazed. And we've talked about this. I'm amazed. I don't know how. We took this book, particularly that part. Right. Where did we, how did we take that and make it not about broken people? Mm-hmm. I don't know how you listen to this guy, this Jesus guy. How did we, how did we take that and make it not about broken people? I don't know, but I can, I, I'm saddened to say that I have witnessed over and over again through the years um, people who care more about rules and regulations oh. right. Come um, on, Pastor. <laughs> than they do about people. Right. Um, when we can escort people out of our churches because they showed up in blue jeans. Um, when we can, can get upset because someone comes into our church or our Sunday school class and they smell like alcohol and we don't like it and we can get mad. Insert Um, thing here. Yes. I... A a good pastor friend of mine called me one day and and he was pastoring a church that I had been at. um, Not as a senior pastor, but... um, and he called me just to vent because he said I had to talk to somebody who who um, knew me and knew the people I'm talking about and and would know that I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm just upset and I just needed to share with somebody because, you know, I'm not going to go around talking about it. But he said, you know, um, there is a man who I know personally some people in that church had been pay- praying for for over 40 years to come to church and he was homeless um, he um, he was the the best electrician in the state at one point in his life and he lost everything um, when his a wife and child were killed in a an mm. alcohol related accident mm. was someone who was drunk hit them and killed them and ironically, he turned to the bottle, and he lost everything. He just lost everything. And for years, he would um, walk the streets, and he, he slept. And in this little town, he'd find a place that he could bed down for the night. And I know people who poured their hearts out asking God to bring him to church, and they would invite him and invite him, and he never came. And this pastor friend of mine called me, and, and I could hear the pain, and I could hear the tears. Mm. And he said, Melody, he showed up today. He showed up today and he said, um, one of the ladies in the senior adult classroom, because that's where his age group was, stood up, walked out of the classroom, slammed the door, and loud enough for the entire church to hear, they were all in classes, said, I don't know what's worse, the stinking coffee in the coffee room or the stinking drunk in my classroom. And this man, very quietly, very meekly, very politely stood up and left. He didn't stay for class. He didn't ever hear the message. What he heard was, I don't want you. You don't, you're not, 
Yeah, we're not, we're not, not good enough. You. you know, that makes, my, that makes my whole insides hurt. And, well, it gets worse because that night he was bludgeoned to death. Some of us have been very privileged to live in a bubble yeah. where our families provided every meal and every piece of clothing and anything, not only that we needed, but that we wanted, that sat down and did our homework with us, that went to all of our sporting events, mm-hmm. that did whatever else that we wanted to do, but that's not the reality in my opinion, for the majority, even here in our country, I do not believe that that is true for most people. And what we really need to do as Christians is Mm -hmm. pop our bubble. Yeah. Um, We need to first wake up to the fact that we live in a bubble. If that has been our reality, then we need to realize it's ours, but it's not the majority of people's. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe, honestly, that anyone who is an addict of any kind, I don't believe that anyone who is poor just wants to be poor or that any mm-hmm. addict just mm-hmm. wants to be an addict. We need to wake up to the fact that we have been privileged to live a life that most people do not live. Mm-hmm. And... To instead invest what we have to help them have a better life. I truly mm-hmm. believe that. I, be- I believe Jesus didn't go around and just hang out with, you know, the religious. Mm-hmm. The church In fact, that was, that was the least of That's his time. Poked, right. Yeah. right? Yeah. And he poked yeah. at and, the and religious did. people. He yeah. didn't poke he at the... He poked the bear a lot and, and, and said, hey, you know, and made them uncomfortable. And sometimes I make people uncomfortable, and that's okay. Yeah. But um, people matter. Every person matters. At the lowest point in their life, they matter to God, and they should matter to us. Mm -hmm. And how do we get from, and this is, uh, I'm kind of preaching to the choir. I've got the, the right audience to ask this question. I wish, but the other people don't want to answer this question. How do we get from a man who, well, how do we get from God putting on flesh to come here and show us the way? Living a human life and experiencing what we experience. But then his last three years, because that's when the rabbi at 30 was 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 believed to have his own way of doing things and would get some respect. How do we take the man who spent those three years w- with the with the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the drunks and the outcasts and the the worst of them? And when asked um what was essential for getting to the to, to getting everlasting life or or achieving heaven, if you will, everlasting life? Think that what you will. He only listed 
They only ever listed clothing the naked, feeding the hungry, visiting the sick and imprisoned. In other words, taking care of the worst of the worst in their worst condition. And then when you did that, you took care of him. Who The only people that he ever uh, gave grief to, the people that he poked at, were the churchy people. How do we get from there and construct a religion that is based on doing all the right things and not hanging out with or being exposed to the yucky people? Uh, from a guy, and we're, we're said to be worshiping and following, literally, I mean, call yourself a Christian, whatever you want to call it, followers of Jesus. How do followers of Jesus not follow Jesus? I don't understand how we got there. Melody, I don't get it. It makes sense, does what, it? How did we get there? And the only thing I can think of is um, we love our list of rules just like we love our grocery list. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go to the grocery store without my grocery list. My wife knows it will cost her dearly if I go to the grocery <laughs> store without my... Still, she would rather I order it from ship than have it brought to us because if I walk in the store, we're doomed. <laughs> Ooh, I haven't had caramel corn in a long time. But I think we, we, we hold on to our lists. We hold on to our goodness, to our wanting to be good because... It's comforting. It's like a blanket. You hold on to that. And then drunk guy comes into Sunday school. And I think we're more scared of us than we are of him in that situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I think I think that I think we're more scared of us than we are of him in that situation. We want to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. And anything outside our bubble mm -hmm. makes us uncomfortable. Could it be that those things, we, we avoid those things and people who are dealing with those things, it makes us uncomfortable to look at them because it, we realize we're really just them, we're just masking it. Very possible. And, and in the masking, I mean, we do it in in the church as Christians. We do it. Uh, I've served as a. I can remember there was a time for Sunday school teachers where every year that you served as a Sunday school teacher, you got a little badge, you know, and and you could have a badge that like dragged the floor twenty feet behind you, you know, <laughs> and see, look at me, you know, I'm I'm walking around. Well, that's you know. the other piece. Is, yeah. is it's not so even that you're concerned that you'll be them, but. But I arrived. Yeah, I, I, I'm there. there. Like, I have seven safe. Bibles sitting on my in my library, and I, I you know, and I, I have one of each different. And not only do I have a Bible that's different, but I have Bibles. One has a concordance, and one is actually like Greek and English, and the other one has four different. They become our treasures, <laughs> and not only that, but what we do and how we carry ourselves and how we walk in is. And we begin to be more worried about what our treasures are than what our purpose is. What our accolades, our titles are. Yeah, yeah. Whatever that is. Accolades and titles. Are you a Pharisee? Are you a Sadducee? Yeah. Are you a pastor? Are you a doctor of yeah. ministry? Are you? Have you been a member of this church? And are a board member? Have you? Yeah. What we're really called to be is servants. Yeah. 
serving, serving, you know, just giving, pouring ourselves out. How do you see broken churches? Um, I, I think I hear you already saying it, so hopefully I'm throwing you underhand slow pitch. Uh, how do you keep people from getting comfortable and just being, uh, I come to church on Sunday and on Wednesday and, and I'm in the choir and I'm in the board and I do my Sunday school. There's always going to be some people that that's what they choose to do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, one of the things that we have found is that the more they see lives changing, um, the more they want to be part of that Mm because it's exciting to see what God can really do. And so part of the, the things that we do, um, aren't too much different than other churches, but then some of the things we do. So we do um, what we have groups that go out that um, are called micro groups or micro churches. So they're small groups. It's the same kind of idea that churches all over the place are doing, but these groups are purposeful in, we want them to go out to places where people are, who will not come to church. That is their whole point. Mm -hmm. Their point is to go out to a place they know that, and and we approve these. We don't just send people out. (laughs) um, We approve them, and and depending on what it is, we kind of, there might be a little more structure to it because some places are, there's a lot more temptations. And so Mm -hmm. helping people you know, make sure they're staying on the right path and that kind of thing. We want to put some safeguards in for them. But um, the point is to go to those places. And first, there is nothing different other than just build relationships. That's it. It's not, and I know some people would say, well, that's not church. You're supposed to take four tracks and sing three songs before you leave. Yes. But I believe that... Ministry cannot happen without real, genuine relationships. Amen. And it's okay to have relationships that might not ever end in someone coming to know Jesus. That's their choice. But if we will purposely go where God sends us, yes, ma'am, with a genuine desire for nothing more, not not to have someone as our project. Yep. Thank but you. to purposely go to build relationships with real people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go someplace and I just want to make friends. That's it. Yeah. And because they're my friend, the intention is to build a real relationship. So we're going to meet there every, every week. We might share, you know, a pop or a coffee or, you know, play a game of pool or whatever, but we're going to talk and we're going to hear about their family and we're going to hear about their job and we're going to care about them. Then we're going to take that information. We're going to go back and we're going to be praying for them. And eventually they're going to come into our house and we're going to go into their house and we're going to go to their kids' ball games. And we're going to, you know what I mean? Like, because it's real and it's purposeful and it's intentional and it takes time, but it is not a project. And, and I have to make you're that very clear. Yeah. You're not there, you're not to, there fix to fix them. them. Yeah. You are there to be their friend. You are there to help in any way God 
provides you opportunity and and God is going to shine through you into their lives. That's what's going to happen. And however that comes out, that comes out. Some groups really quickly go to being able to pray together every time before they leave. Sure. Some groups it takes more time mm -hmm. because it depends where you are and who you're working with. And we just, the whole point is not to force it, but to let God guide us and direct us. And every single group is different. And so every year the goal is to, you know, some groups, they don't work out. And then we just say, that's okay. We, we tried that. Maybe somebody else will try it later. Yep. Mm -hmm. But you just move on where God wants you. Why don't you take some time and pray about it and see yeah. where God wants you to go next? I, some groups are just groups in neighborhoods where we go. The, the person might go through their neighborhood. And, you know, how many of us know our neighbors? Like, not just what they look like, but do you yeah. know their name? Do yeah. you know their mm -hmm. kids' names? Do yeah. you know what they're into? You ever eat a meal um, with them? Right. Ever. You know, like, have you ever invited them over? Have you ever gone over there? Um, and so the point in, in some of those is those people just go around their neighborhood and knock on their door and introduce themselves. Hey, I'm your neighbor. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. um, I just wondered, you know, and if you don't, that's okay. But I just wondered if there's anything I could pray with you about this week or pray you know, if you don't want to pray, that's okay. But can I pray for you this week? Yeah. And if they'll let you pray with them, then they pray with them. If they just want you to pray for them in your space, then that's what we do. And there's no mm -hmm. pressure beyond that. It's just, hey, I just want to get to know you. And I'd like to pray for you. Like, yeah. is there something yeah. I can pray for you about? And they might not take you up on it. But when they need something... And you've told them, hey, this is where I live down the block. They'll come knock on your door. There's an interesting <laughs> story from, it's kind of the opposite. There's a story of uh, Rob Bell, the pastor, Rob Bell, who a lot of folks got frustrated with over some stuff. And I understand. But um, when he first started his church, first, got to give the brother credit. He spent, in the first year, he preached out of nothing but Leviticus. Lord help us. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that seriously. That was bold. But he was just, people were just rushing to this church. And, and I mean, just like day one, they came and told him, we're right out of room in the parking lot. There's just so many people here. And he's like, what? But um, they hadn't been together long when people started coming to him and complaining because of some weird things that were happening. One of the examples he gives is they came to him and they said, um, people are honking at each other and yelling at each other in the parking lot about where they can park. And um, they would, he said, if you've got, he said, do me a favor, if you've got a bumper sticker on your car that says Mars Hill Bible Church and you want to cuss at people in my parking lot and scream and yell about your place where you're at? Do me a favor, don't come back. Um, that's not your parking spot. Right. And that's not who we are. My point is this. Once you say to that neighbor or that person at work or that group that you've been going and bowling with that you didn't go to the church bowling league, you went to the bowling league bowling league. Like if we were still allowed to smoke and drink in the church, they would be smoking and drinking, you're right. there with them. Yep. When you're in that group and you say, oh man, I hate to hear that for you guys. Can I pray for you about that? Okay, now you put the bumper sticker on your car. Right. Get ready. They're watching. They are. 
So, the, as we tell people, the only Bible they may ever read is you. Mm -hmm. yep. At this point, you just became the duly and thusly elected representative of right. Jesus Christ in the church. So, I guess, but that preaches to someone who is unchurched, yep. who feels like they're outside of that, who feel like we're just these judgy, mean, mm -hmm. don't come to my Sunday school class if you're drunk. Right. You being the other, you being the Jesus who could be accused of being a glutton and a drunkard, with them and loving on them, that preaches more than anything. I mean, my point is, what you're doing, what you're having those folks do, what we do when we go to, whether it be the mission or the bowling alley, right? you're now, you're preaching. Your, your presenting what this thing means, right? Right. And it's, and it's, it's, it's two in the morning, and they call you, and they say, um, they just arrested my kid. I don't know what to do with this. And the reason they called you, even though they don't go to your church, and they don't, is they feel like you know this other thing. That they want to have that other thing. Right. Um, we always we always go back to they came to believe in a power much greater than them. They came to that belief because that's step one, right? Mm -hmm. If I want to if I want to introduce somebody to Jesus Christ, first I have to introduce them to the idea that there is something bigger than them. Yes. Yep. Um, the only reason that I don't punch people and take their wallet is because some part of me believes that there's something bigger. Now sure. we have to introduce him to this Jesus, yeah. um, who is that something bigger, showing us the way, right? So I, I, all that to say, I think that's a beautiful way of, of sending them out, is to, to not say, here's your pile of tracks, and I'm not picking on track people. I'm just saying, there's a time and a place. And that's like step 12. Right. <laughs> when it's step one... People are like, come throw that in the trash out. Yeah. Right. And the people who take it and go, oh, that's awesome, are people who probably already believe. Right. Right. They, or the they people, have some structured, even if it's a weird structured right. religion, they have something in them that already goes, yeah, Jesus, I right. get that. That's awesome. And the, and the people that we work with a lot of the time have been turned off on by someone in a church yeah. that mm -hmm. calls themselves Christians or by a church. Um, and I don't know, I might push it here, but that's okay. That's what we're um, I grew up in a church that um, would go out and take part in the, um, what did they call that? Where we would go and stand with um, abortion signs. Oh, yeah. There's the wall. Is it a wall or something? I don't, I don't remember. I remember, um, you know, they really wanted us to do that. When I came to this church, I found some of those signs back in a in a, a classroom, and I tore them up and threw them in the trash. And, and I want people to understand why. It doesn't mean that I'm for abortion. That's mm -hmm. not what I'm saying. No. But here's where we have to start rethinking some things. I do not believe the majority of people who end up in an abortion clinic are there because 
they were just having fun and they got pregnant and they just want to not have a child. This like, is the birth not, control. This is the form right, of birth control. I do for not them. believe no, that that is that's true. That's not most people. I, I can say, as a person who got saved as a pregnant 17 year old, yeah. that. I honestly thought my parents were going to kick me out. Sure. I thought um, I'm not going to go to college. I thought um, everything that I thought I was going to have and that um, whether I thought God wanted me to have it or I wanted it at the time, I don't know. I thought my whole world was over. I thought mm -hmm. everything was over. I didn't think I had any choices. Now, I did not go. Abortion didn't enter my mind. Yeah. But... For someone who did not grow up in a bubble, because I did, it might not have been as big or as nice of a bubble as somebody else's, <laughs> but I, you know, I went through a lot of stuff as a, as a teenager and as a kid, I did, um, that caused a lot of where I ended up, but I did still live in a bubble, um, but for someone who doesn't have that bubble, and feels like they have no hope. They have no money. They have nowhere to turn. They have nobody to help them. They have nothing. I can see how that's somewhere they might end up. Absolutely. Now, when it's, they stand there screaming at them with a sign, they do not hear I love you and God loves you. That's not what they hear. Now that might be your intention. Might be might what your be, sign says here. Yeah, you, your intention <laughs> might be to tell them God loves them and I wish you would would look a different way. But could there be a different way? It, if we could do things in a way where people can hear us, rather than seeing something that automatically makes them turn off their ears. Yeah. Um, when they see something in their immediate, in, um, the insides of them say, they hate me. Mm -hmm. um, and they just shut mm -hmm. off. That's non-starter. They, they can't if, hear that's you. That's a non-starter. If I start out by saying, Melody, you're horrible. If I, right. <laughs> if, if I started out an interview by saying, how can a woman preach? <laughs> I might shut your brain up. No, but if I start off by saying you're you're horrible, <laughs> let me save you. Right. I shields up, baby. Right. I, why? What gives you any permission to say me that, say that to me? And I say that because I think by going through things the way that you're talking about doing, by going through things the way I think we agree is is the starter is a relationship. You have to earn the right. What do you mean I have to earn the right? I am the right. I'm in the right. I am the the moral majority. <laughs> no, first we have to earn the right to have that discussion. We have to establish, um, for me there's a concept um, that I'm really working hard on um, drawing, writing out, which is God's, the first thing God does with even hardly the worst of them is the first thing he does is make them whole. So let's establish that we're both whole. You good? Yep. You good? You good? Okay, so we're both good. Now, honey, there's going to be consequences. And I'm just telling you, there's going to be consequences. But I love you, and I care about you, and I want to be a part of you. So establish 
You have to earn the right to talk yep. to them about that. Mm -hmm. Yep. If you're the person who went bowling with them, and I keep going back to that, you said <laughs> pool. Uh, it could be anything. A softball. Yep. Um, crochet. Whatever. Um, you've established that we both are human beings. We both bleed if you cut us. We both get our feelings hurt. We both exist in this world and we're floating through and making things work as best we can. Once you establish that, that you're broken and they're broken. Right. Now we're both dealing from the same humanity. Right. Now we can talk. Mm -hmm. If you had met that lady, that young lady who was pregnant, if you had met her a year ago on a bowling league, and she knew who you were, now obviously I don't think she would come to a man, but if Melody or Deronda or mm -hmm. Suzanne met her in a bowling league and you were a part of that together, and then she came up pregnant, she might trust you with that conversation. She's going to, to, to give you her hurt. Right. And say, help me through this. And you get now, you've earned the right to throw in an option. Right. Or two. One but, thing that our church um, does have, and we, we don't have a ton of people that take us up on it, to be honest, but we have a ministry that is for single pregnant ladies. It's called Embrace Grace. And um, the whole point is to show them that God loves them. And God loves their child. And um, we walk them through um, God's love for them. We pray for them. It is a, a Bible-based study. It's 12 weeks long, but we also do baby showers and things like that for them. The whole point is to show them that they are loved, that they matter, that their child matters, and that God's in this with them. And the truth is, no matter what they choose, we're still going to walk with them. Um, and, and the sad thing is, I do believe part of the reason that we haven't had a lot of young ladies take us up on it is because I do believe in Muncie that there is, there is a division between churches and people who, who don't go to church, non-church people. I, yeah. I, I do think there's a division, there's a distrust. And I am... Um, I know the first time we put it out there on the marketplace, um, we actually had somebody comment and said, yeah, right, a church wants to help, help a single pregnant lady. Yeah. And, and that is definitely out there. But the truth is, it comes from the heart of one person who was single and pregnant at 17 yeah. that says, I see you and I, I know the struggle and God loves you. Mm -hmm. um, and... He loves you right where you are, and he, he has a solution for you. But whatever you choose, God loves you, yeah. and we're going to walk with you no matter yeah. what. And so, um, you know, it. there's a lot. Doing ministry with hurting and broken people can get messy. But that's what it's supposed to be yeah. like. <laughs> You asked a question earlier. Where where does this start? Where where do we? How can we change things? Um, I, I was just thumbing through some different scriptures, looking at some things. I think the first thing is 
it's time for us to get real with who we are. Um, we were all the broken. We were all the hurting. We mm -hmm. were all the... And somebody... There, there was a gentleman named um, Charlie Rainey. I, I was... I, I had had experiences in church. I went to a church um, because a girl asked me to, and I wanted to date her. And that was the reason I wanted to go. I, I went to church Absolutely. with her because I wanted to, to go out with her. And it was a Sunday night, and I thought, okay, this is cool. I'll go with her. And, and I said, well, at this particular church, there was a point in the Sunday night service where everybody went to the altar and prayed. And I sat in the pew, and I got to looking around, and I was the only person in the pew. And then they all got up, and they looked at me, and I was the only person. You, you know the TV shows about, like, the zombies? And, you know, and that's, what, that's what went through my... And I remember getting up and running. I, don't, I didn't walk. I wasn't quiet about it. I ran to the door and hit the doors forcibly enough that they went open and hit the walls. And it was years before I went back to a church. And and because that's where that I, I felt, you know, that, that boy, this is this is the place where they, they they're gonna get you, man. You're you're gonna be dinner, you know. And but I, I was just reading through some scriptures and each time like Jesus, he had compassion on them, and then he fed them. He had compassion on them, and then he healed them. He had, and and I'm just reading about the prodigal, this guy who comes from eating pig slop and living with the pigs and doing, and his father saw him and had compassion on him and ran, ran. to him. Um, I think the first thing we got to do is get real with ourselves mm -hmm. and where we've been and then once we're real with ourselves go running and finding those that we can have compassion on and and build a relationship with and and having compassion doesn't mean start throwing the bible at them right having compassion on them means hey you've got a story i got a story let's walk together for a while yes you know and just just be, just be human just be beings. You. Yeah, on this journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and be be ourselves and have a drink, eat eat, eat some chips. You know, I don't, I don't hang out. Say those churchy words. Words good. Don't yeah. say those churchy words. Yeah, don't get good at. It. Yeah, you don't. Well, that's another thing that we do. We, well, I don't know enough. Well, you know what? You good. know you. You know your story. <laughs> you know, good. Uh, be, we need be, your story. We don't be, need some. Be made up real thing. enough to be be real enough to be real. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling that we could do this for another hour and a half <laughs> easily, but we probably need to not. Um, I think for me, when we started having the conversation, one of the conversations I wanted to have was have you come in and talk to us. And the biggest reason is because I feel like it fits so well what we're talking about. Um, this idea of having a conversation, just having a conversation. Um, and, and I'm so glad to have you come and talk to us about um, 
what you guys are doing and then, and then that that does fit that this idea of just having a relationship with people um, and getting to know them I uh, I really appreciate you taking time mm-hmm. uh, to come and sit with us I, I hope it's not the last time in fact uh, I hope to get to invite you back to talk about other stuff but um, thank you you're welcome kind thanks for having me yeah. thanks for being guys thank you for joining us for sitting here for this time um if you like what we're doing, I'm sure we'd appreciate it if you would share what we've what we've done. If you would give us a follow uh, or um, a, a subscription, if you're on YouTube, um, I hope if you disagree with us, let us know. Make Jump in the conversation yeah. and let us know. Um, if you agree with us, let us know. Um, if you're in the Muncie area and you're looking for uh, a church, um, Melody is full. She doesn't want anybody else coming to her church. <laughs> So don't go there. Uh, um, I hope that if you've heard something that intrigues you, if you want to be a part of uh, the solution, uh, or if you feel like you just like to have a church family um, that you can relate with, I think Broken Church is a great place that you can do that. Hey, thanks for spending time with us. Um, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you later. Bye, all. Bye.